Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. Uh, I didn't prepare an opening because uh, I'm on vacation, dude. Happy Easter, everybody. This is No Agenda. Coming to you from the temporary Crackpot Command Center located in the sunny southeastern part of the Algarve in Portugal. I'm Adam Curry. And from the Pacific Northwest, also known as Gitmo Nation, Pacific Northwest, how creative. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> I realize I haven't even set up my in the morning jingles or anything like that on the mobile set. Ah, I'm so lame. It sounded good. Yeah. No, but I don't have, now I can't trigger an in the morning because I don't have those set up. No. no well, that's okay. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's going to kill the show. This is a horrible problem. <laughs> So, uh, Sam, you ad-libbed the opening, and I think it worked out fine. Yeah, I can do it when I need to. You know, that's the old uh, the old DJ comes back. <laughs> ad-lib the opening. Ad-lib so what's going on? Down. You're in sunny Portugal. I'm here in rainy uh, Pacific Northwest. Yes. Well, first of all, happy Easter, John. Happy Resurrection. And uh, <laughs> a what? Isn't it? Isn't that what Easter is? The resurrection. Oh, uh, resurrection, resurrection. Yes. Did I say uh, e- erection? <laughs> You're breaking up. So it yeah. became something. Else. Anyway, yeah. Same to you. Happy Easter, to everybody out there listening to us. Even though most of them won't be listening on Easter. I don't know. We've got a lot of people on the stream, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in uh, the Eastern Algarve, which is uh, about as far off the beaten track as you can get in the uh, in the touristy part of Portugal. Where is it? I don't know. Well, so you know where Faro is? Down in the south? Uh, I've seen it. In, oh, right, right. Well, you're way down there. Yeah, so if you looked at, uh, at the map, and you know our listeners might actually consider doing that from time to time, uh, you'll see that Portugal kind of goes down into a point down in the south, and it's, uh, of course it's embedded right next to Spain. So we are, we're really only maybe 50 kilometers from Spain from where we are right now. Um, and uh, so most people, most tourists, uh, all go to the west of uh, Faro, which is where the airport is, and that's where all the resorts are, etc. We rented a, a house, um, yeah, kind of in the sticks, but it's awesome. We got a, you know, we got a pool, we got a fantastic view. It's uh, it's like a huge place. Which uh, downside is I couldn't find a place to set up other than in, in the living room because the wireless won't reach throughout, you know, to all the different rooms in this house. And it's been awesome. It's been really cool. It's a reasonably good connection. It sounds like. Yeah, the, you know, we, it, it's. Uh, I'm worried about it because we've been getting three megabits down. You know, the typical 500 kilobits up, uh, but it has been just like going down, or the router's been rebooting from time to time, at least once a day. So I, I pray for it not to happen right now. Well, if it does, you know, at least we got this much of the show done. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey, <laughs> good talking to you. So um, yeah, what what uh, what's your plans? Uh, I'm gonna cook a leg of lamb. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? Who's co- where are you? Are you you're in San Francisco or are you in Washington still? No, I'm in Washington. You you should have listened. Uh, yeah, no, I'm up here in the same thing. You know the old. Uh, that's why I got the BR40. Oh, and yeah. Um, um, yeah, leg of lamb. Yesterday we cooked uh, some delicious baby back ribs in celebration of Easter. Ah. Do you celebrate Easter? Are you a uh, religious man? Uh, I'm not uh, anti-religious, but we celebrate Easter by having dinner. Right, but the, well, my wife always makes up. You know, she used to always hide eggs, and then also she makes a big basket 
traditionally every so, year. So what is the deal with Easter and the eggs? I don't think I actually know the story behind that. Well, not you, 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 you've caught me off guard. I have no idea. Really? Maybe somebody can... Wait, you don't know the, why the eggs relate to Easter? That's surprising. I, I, I'm like, you know, I don't even have to Google that. I'll just ask John. Yeah, well, you should have Googled it. <laughs> hey, where were the bunny? The other thing is, what about what, the Easter what the, bunny? What about the what's bunnies? That with the price of bread. What's up with that, hon? What's the, why do we have eggs with Easter? No idea. She doesn't know. And you should know, being a good Catholic. <laughs> As she throws a knife in my general direction. Well, she didn't hit you. So what's uh, in the top of the news for you? Well, there's what's a couple, going on in Portugal? Well, yeah, there's a... Well, obviously, you know, the news is kind of sparse. I haven't haven't been... Uh, haven't even How's bought a newspaper. How's the food over there? That's more important. The food is great. We're right next door to a, a real fancy hotel, and they have a, a well-known restaurant. Um, I don't think they're rated in, with any stars, but they're in all the uh, all the books and magazines that I've read. And uh, I have to say, it was outstanding. Um, and uh, you know, uh, Christina is with us, and she brought her uh, boyfriend Dexter, who is oh god, oh shock, oh horror, he's a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like God is punishing me. It's like, oh, you want to make fun of those guys? Here, have one. <laughs> vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's the name of the restaurant for God's sake? Well, if I well, it doesn't matter. If I say it then people will know where I am, but that's okay. Uh L'Orangerie. Oh, well there's the, like That's an unusual name for a restaurant. Never heard of such a place. Gee. <laughs> so, How many uh, could there be in the world of L'Orangerie's? So um So you took your your uh your uh, potential son-in-law's uh to the restaurant, and they, of course, have no vegetarian dishes there, right? Actually, they had a special vegetarian menu. Could you believe it? I was blown mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You know why? Because Portugal is like one of the great uh, spots for the Brits to hang out. Exactly. And, and the Brits have, are – they have a lot of oddballs in Britain, and, and they uh, most of the vegetarian movements have all begun there. Uh, and, you know – the big if you if you want to see what what happens in a credit crunch, come to Portugal because you know two things have happened: a people just don't have the money or they're holding back on spending, but secondarily, the pound is almost equal to the euro. So the so the Brits and you hear this all the time. Well, you know what's why have a pound if we can't you know use our leverage to go places cheap on vacation and drink until we puke? So uh, uh, attendance is you know is like thirty or forty percent down. Is the occupancy rates are just you know the lowest ever. People are booking at the very very last minute, so it's uh, huh. it's a big problem here. Huh? Yeah. Because it is. So, you, if, without getting too nosy, what do you pay for the place you have, and how big is it? Uh, I'll tell you exactly. I don't mind. Because um, what you do is <clears throat> you have these. So what, here, here's what happened uh, uh, throughout the past ten years in Britain. We had just tons of television programs: um, A Place in the Sun, A Home and Away, Far and Abroad, uh, In and Out My Ass. I all these different shows, and they were on in prime time, and was basically helping you select the right country as a Brit to go take your uh, take the money that was invested in uh, or the value that had increased in your home in the United Kingdom and purchase a cheap, you know, relatively cheap real estate in any of these sunny countries. And uh, so it was a re- – you know, talk about a Ponzi scheme. <clears throat> you know, the, all these developments were going on. All this EU money came into all these countries. Here in Portugal, they put a road – 
um, between, I guess it's Lisbon. It probably goes further than Lisbon, but Lisbon, you can go all the way, you know, to uh, deep into Spain. It's a brand new highway. It's like driving on a Formula One track. It's so beautiful. It used to take mm, five or six hours to get from Lisbon to Faro. Now you can do it in two and a half. I mean, it's just fantastic. So all this infrastructure, all these buildings started to come about. And everyone had all this value in their homes because they just kept going up and up and up, uh, particularly in the United Kingdom, all enticed by this television, you know, these programs, you have to do this and you got to jump on the bandwagon. It was completely targeted at uh, dinks, you know, dual income, no kids. And uh, so everyone bought these places. And now, of course, you know, it's like, oh, shit, you know, uh, in the UK, every single day now you read that banks are actually telling people Hey, you know the the value of your home dropped. You have to pay us uh, two hundred thousand pounds right now, you know. And and apparently it's in these uh, in these mortgage contracts that they can do that. So people are freaking out. So now these these new agencies is, have cropped up, and uh, their entire job is to market these homes uh, either on or off season to rent them out to uh, you know to to individual parties. So and they're really good and they're really professional and they they you know get you a, your rental car and take care of your it's almost like a personal concierge service so for this place six bedrooms it'll sleep 12 comfortably every bedroom has its own ensuite bathroom um you know a, a nice size heated swimming pool 1500 pounds for the week that's a good deal that's an awesome deal I mean, you could stay at a New York hotel and it costs you that much for two for nights. Two, two nights, exactly. And so if you actually, right. if you had 12 people here, I mean, can you, you know, then it's like a 100 pounds a person for the entire week. Now, yeah. granted, you it's have got to. has got a pool. I, I saw the pictures of it. The thing is, it's huge. It's yeah, not it's like. Fantastic. A jet, yeah, and it's in the middle of, you know, there's no, I mean, you're like in a kind of secluded, it looks like a resort place. It'd be a good place to own. Oh, it'd be beautiful. And uh, so it's, that's exactly these people. They've had it for four years and now. They started renting it out. But it's nice. You know, it's nice because everything is here, everything you need. Of course, you have to cook your own food. But that's why I like having the uh, the hotel and the restaurant, <laughs> you know, around the corner, basically. Uh, but it is separate. It's not it's not in a resort. So it's uh, in fact, there's a farm next door with uh, with goats. Sounds like goatsy, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> goats are noisy. Oh, my goodness. And they say, and they have a, a guttural sound that makes them sound like they're talking. Yeah. Goatsy. So I so, uh, I woke this morning to uh, some disturbing news. Go figure. Apparently, the CDC, the United States Centers for Disease Control, has discovered in a study that every single brand of baby formula on the market, but in particular, of course, the uh, bovine-based uh, formula contain, wait for it, perchlorate. Mm. And uh, they're now uh, calling a major alert saying, well, you know, there's also uh, plenty of perchlorate in the water in, uh, in the United States, in about 35 states for sure, but probably everywhere. And uh, the combination of Making the formula with, you know, sometimes this formula, you uh, you add water to it, it's powder formed, uh, could be uh, dangerous to the health of children. And, of course, even though you can't tell me what eggs in the bunny have to do with Easter, I'm thinking, my buddy John certainly can tell me about perchlorate and what the hell it is and why it's in our water and in our baby formula. Uh, No, I haven't got a clue. 
Uh, I thought you'd say that, so I uh, took the liberty of looking it up. <laughs> and, uh, hey. <laughs> hey, yeah, Now, perchlorite is actually um, a main ingredient in rocket fuel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I do know that. <laughs> rocket fuel. But it's like rich perchlorate. It's, 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 it's an oxygen booster. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it, um, it's found in fireworks, which is how it get, gets into a lot of the drinking uh, water supplies because people light off these huge firework displays uh, in the middle of rivers, <laughs> apparently drink, river, drinking reservoirs. Um, but, you know, well, so, it's, so, so the FDA, of course, uh, and the EPA together are saying, well, you know, it's okay to have a little bit of perchlorate in the milk. I just don't understand it. How can anything be okay in the milk? Shouldn't it just be milk? I don't understand why it it can't just be milk. I mean, if they're at where they're adding water, or that, I'm not sure how the perchlorate getting into the milk. And that's what's so frustrating. I mean, whether it's whether it's well, let's just put it this way: whether it's harmful or not, how's it getting in there? So no one has the answer for that. But I presume could it be another one of these things that's being used to up the protein content, or is it maybe a I mean, what it's 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 used. It, I can't understand how it's used in the process or how it would be created because it, it – We'll um, have to get a food chemist to send us some notes. Somebody out there knows. Send us a note. Please Twitter us or do something. I wanted to make no, a quick – Email is good. I wanted to make a quick mention of uh, of a new way to access a lot of the functionality of this program in our community is uh, noagenda.mobi, branded as the iPhone app for the rest of us. <laughs> which I like very much. <laughs> so, you, so you can, uh, if you go to uh, noagenda.mobi, noagenda.mobi, uh, you'll see yeah. there a nice little menu. You can look, get the latest podcast, the latest show notes. You can uh, send a, a tweet to the stream. You can see the latest uh, tweets that John and I have sent. It's really quite nice. Hmm. We're going to have a bunch of stuff like that when we get our, our big site. Up and running. Yeah, I'm sure you haven't spoken to those guys yet, have you? No, I'm, it's, no. it's a holiday. Yeah, okay. I'm oh. just asking. I'm just kind no. of you know, in passing. I'm, I'm Tuesday. I got some, some people were very angry at me, John. Uh, well, this is news. <laughs> well, they said that, uh, that stop the presses. <laughs> they say, you know, hey man, you were rude to to Mimi, and uh, and and you should apologize. And uh, they even actually they were angry at you too for the last uh, show, which I thought was kind of funny. Well, good. I need to get more attention. Did Mimi say anything? No, she said she was kind of caught off guard because she's normally snarkier than you, and she didn't quite know what to make of the fact that you were uh, so phonally, and I will say this, by the way, phonally um, flirting, which is not what you do, I mean, except as a goof. And uh, so she knows that next time she'll, you know, she's not gonna, she's gonna give you crap. <laughs> That's what okay. she says. Uh, I like this. Uh, Adam and John, I just finished No, Ad- no Agenda eighty seven and heard you refer to your listeners as producers. I, I was thinking at the time that probably wasn't a good idea. Actually, well, I'm happy to be your producer. How entertaining is a PBS fun drive? How that's how entertaining and No Agenda eighty seven was. Going forward, the amount of time spent asking for donations will not exceed two minutes per show. Do it all at once or in two pieces, but do not exceed two minutes and do not mention it more than twice. Adam, there was nothing entertaining about you being disrespectful to John's wife and their marriage. You sounded like a total, total douchebag when you talked about hooking up with Mimi. Don't be a dick. 
<laughs> well, yeah, wait, wait for it. John, when Adam's being a dick and disrespecting your wife and you don't defend her, you come across like a total puss. Yeah, well, here's the problem I should mention to him. I had no idea since she had the headphones on mm. what Adam was saying. So what am I supposed to do? Uh, be a mind reader? Yeah, okay. Right. See, I got the defense here. If it was the normal day, the thing where you always say, turn your speakers down, <laughs> which would be in the other studio, then, yeah, I would have heard that and it wouldn't have gone very far. But I didn't know what the heck was. All I heard was Mimi going, huh, what, huh, and you're yakking away. So I don't know. So there you go. You can't be critical if somebody is completely out of the loop. Uh, anyway, so don't do that again. I'm sorry. Good. So uh, so the big news, you know, when I'm up here, by the way, I, I kind of just watch Canadian news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I mean, why bother, and, why bother with Amy Winehouse in the U.S. when you can get real news uh, or some curious, of it from Canada? It mentioned Amy Winehouse on This Hour Has 22 Minutes. <laughs> really? In which context? Some, some like the similar context that we mention her as, you know, non-news, uh, phony news kind of thing. So uh, they had this weird thing. They have these the, – the, on this hour has uh, uh, 22 minutes there. If anybody ever gets a chance to see – watch this show, uh, you should. And occasionally they, they, they come into the United States and they do these – they like to have this one guy in particular – Loves to get people, I mean, he just has the most insulting questions, and then he answers them for them. The person never gets to say anything. And it's funny to watch Americans who have obviously never seen the show respond, you know, indignantly. Yeah. Uh, but they also had these, there's two characters that are, they play these two characters who are foppish uh, Canadian radio announcers uh, who do the classical music show. <laughs> these two extremely pretentious jerks. They play. They were just ragging on some poor guy who it looks like he had Down syndrome or something. Oh, it was man. just, it was weird. But anyway, so uh, the the big news is the Billy Bob Thornton story. I don't know about this. Yeah, I, I don't think that the U.S. knows much about it either. So, uh, in fact, I'm going to have to read you the story because it's actually it's one of the funniest things going on. It's part. It's a real news. So, so Billy story. Billy Bob. I don't have the jingle. So Billy Bob, of course, uh, famously mar- married to uh, Angelina Jolie, into all kinds of uh, kinky sex, which is, of course, cool if you're with Angelina Jolie, and uh, I, I think one of the better American actors. Mm-hmm. Excuse me while I eat my grapefruit. That's oh, people hate that when you do it. I'm hungry. I just got up. Okay. So. Yeah. Ah. So he goes up to Canada with his band. His band, you know. Yes. It's called. Uh, Billy Bob's Bo- Band. Boxmasters. Mm. And uh, now I'm going to read you the article after I explain kind of what I, what I saw. And they were showing this all over. I mean, this is just top of the news. And uh, he comes into an interview with somebody because he wants to do a Canadian tour. And so he's up on this tour and he goes in and he just apparently, and they show it. It's on on YouTube. Mm -hmm. He blows up at this guy because the guy made the mistake of mentioning that he's an actor. (laughs) Instead of what? What are you supposed to call him? A rock star. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. My faux pas. (laughs) So he blew up at the guy, and he just and he chewed out the and he chewed out the Canadian audience 
And he said the Canadians, this is just before he starts the tour, by the way, he makes the comment that the Canadians are uh, mashed potatoes with no gravy. <laughs> and that, Wait, he's performing in Canada? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is, this is not the way to start the show. <laughs> so, the, so his first concert in Toronto, right after this comment, the Canadians go crazy and they start yelling at him and booing him and they're yelling, here's your gravy! And they're yelling and <laughs> booing, boo, get off the stage. So... So the next day, here's the headline, Billy Bob Thornton Band cancels Canadian shows, supposedly because they all have the flu. <laughs> yeah, avian bird flu. <laughs> so they didn't uh, even get the guts to do anything. So let me just read you some of this. Uh, this is a CNN story. The flu has forced an early end to Billy Bob Thornton's musical tour of Canada, his publicist said Saturday, because he can't even say it. The news was reportedly greeted with loud applause at a Friday night show in Montreal after they called Canadian concert goers mashed potatoes with no gravy in a radio interview Wednesday. The Boxmasters' final Canadian dates in Montreal and London, Ontario were canceled because one of the band members and several of the crew have the flu. Uh, it goes on, he says, um, they need a few days to recuperate. Now, here's where it gets weird. There's some really weird stuff in this story. We tend to plan pace. Oh, yeah. He says that it's mashed potatoes with no gravy. Thornton told CBC host Gian Gomosi, uh, it's Gomeshi. We tend to play in places where people throw things at each other, and here they just sort of sit there, he said. The audience said Thursday's show loudly booed the box masters with some shouts of, Here's the gra- here comes the gravy, the Toronto Star reported. Then he said, then this is the thing that goes on and on. It says, because he didn't want to talk about being an actor, he says, Thornton promotes a mythology that his cosmic cowboy music came together years ago after a fight over coleslaw at a Los Angeles chicken restaurant. What? His long and successful career as an actor, director, and screenwriter does not fit with his struggling musician story he tells in interviews about the box masters. Hmm. Isn't that just kind of off? You know, the um, people who are... um are very successful at one thing, so um, like acting, and then they, you know, they they very typically want to go into singing. This happens all the time, and it just won't work. It becomes an obsession for them, and 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 I think quite a actually quite an unhealthy one. Um, I was watching that. I told you about that show. It's called Living with the Hoff. Over, right. Uh, this is the uh, English DJ. This is a fantastic show. I mean, there's only two. Well, I, I don't think you, did you bring that up on the show last week. Or I was can't it? remember if I did, but it, it, it is something that bring has it up to, again. Yeah, it has to be seen to believe. So this this UK DJ, who um, apparently on kind of like a lark got uh, got Hasselhoff's record in the charts, one of his uh, early ones around the Berlin Wall time, I guess. Uh, which of course he claims, uh, you know, he, he claims responsibility that he brought down the wall. Um. And so now they're doing this show where the guy goes out to uh, Bel Air and lives with him for like a week. And with who? And with David Hasselhoff. And it's a reality-based show. So it's this English white pasty DJ with the Hoff. And the, <laughs> the Hoff's life is phenomenal, man. And uh, by the way, I think David Hasselhoff is severely underestimated. Uh, I, I think... As what? As a singer. As oh, a performer, okay. as a as a, as the Hoff. I mean, what you know, he can solve any problems in the world. John, the Hoff can do all. 
So does the DJ or ho- or the Hoff that coined the uh, phrase the Hoff? Uh, I don't know who coined it. It's kind of universally known. I, know? I never heard it before. It's like there's God and then there's the Hoff. I like it when he was crawling around for the hamburger on the YouTube video. <laughs> but that's part of the beauty of the Hoff, man. That's part of what makes him so wonderful. <laughs> and when he's on that show that he does, the, uh, the America's, reality... T- America's Got Talent? Yeah, he just seems like he's stoned. He's drunk. No, he's drunk. During the whole show, he's, he's completely drunk. The guy okay. is always slurring his words, and then he you know gets on like wave runners, and and then he you know he's got like guys who, and I've seen this before with with rich guys, rich single guys, or divorced, but as long as they got tons of money, they'll have like a manservant, and the manservant's job is basically to keep them alive. You know, I'm sure you know guys like this. And no, actually, I don't. Really? Oh, it's like you know. And so the, the manservant drives their car. He makes sure that when they get drunk and fall down, he picks them up and takes them home. I mean, it's 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 sad. Yeah, it keeps them from getting arrested keeps, for yeah, DUI. Yeah, well, it just keeps them from dying or killing someone else. And the Hoff's got two of those dudes. <laughs> two. <of laughs> it's them. amazing. One for each arm. It's amazing. Uh, coming through on uh, Twitter, uh, the egg for Easter is the symbol of life and rebirth. And the rabbit, of course, the symbol of fertility. Well, we could have known that. We could have guessed. Yes. Uh, that's from Unlucky Dip. And Mac- <laughs> <laughs> I don't make it up, man. And uh, Macro Ron says, uh, perchlorate kills germs. It's a corporate food preservative. Hmm. I don't see it on too many packages. Anyway, I'll look into the pork glory. Of course they don't put it on the packages. No, you have to in the U.S. So if if it's put in as an additive, why wouldn't you? What difference does it make? Who knows what it is? People don't read those things anyway. So let's get back to the the Hoff, the real news. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the Hoff is much more interesting. I agree. No, I think the Hoff can be a, he, he can be a symbol of hope. You know, if if the Hoff were running, well, let's for give, our now president. let's go. Wait, hold on, let's stop a second. For one thing, you say this guy is like underrated as a singer. As I've a seen sing- him sing. No, no, as a, as a singer, no, as a singer, performer, all rounder. Hey, you have to Google this video. Uh, you know the uh, was it Blue Suede hooked on a feeling. I don't know. You, yeah, you know that song, Hooga Chaka, Hooga Chaka. Yeah, no, I know the song, but I don't know the video. Yeah, well, so the Hoff did it, and so he, he, if you see this video, you will poop yourself. I guarantee it. It's but all, why is he, is he bad? I mean, you're not making yourself. Well, you make, you, have to, you make it sound like he's an underrated superstar talent. Well, but it, and then you say he's a drunk that needs you know constant attendance. No, no, he, he, as an entertainer, he's underrated, of course. Because he's extremely entertaining. Yeah, but is he entertaining as a campy figure that is just like laughable and it's so entertaining? I mean, say Amy Winehouse is a little like that. Or is he entertaining because, wow, this guy can really belt these songs out? No, no. He's entertaining because he is the Hoff. Okay. You have to see it. Google the video. Uh, Okay, I'm not going to do it now because I don't want to... Kill my bandwidth, but I'll check it later. Oh, so anyway, so this guy's living with the Hoff. Yeah. And he, and what's and you know, is he what's he doing there? I mean, what is he? Does he, does he <laughs> so chat you, with each other? Get, I mean, yeah, you, no, he's he's literally living in and around the Hoff, and the Hoff, you know, is running around. It's like it's like one of these typical hyperactive drunk guys, 
Um, and he's and he's like, oh, let's quick, let's 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 jump into the let's jump into the the Hummer, and we're going to drive off to the studio because his daughters are doing. Uh, you know, he's trying to help his daughters into a singing career, and uh, you know they're all upset about their hair. And, you know, and then it's like, you know, back to the, back to the Hoff cave. And then we're going to go ride some wave runners. And then, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's nonstop. It's constant. And, but his music career, the guy is obsessed. He's absolutely obsessed. That's why he, he his radio DJ. He said, yeah, come and live with me. The guy wants to chart with his records. You know, he has this whole Hoff museum in his house. <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, these gold records on the wall, these platinum ones, that's because uh, people never believe I actually sold records here, you know, Germany, Poland, Lithuania. You know, it's like pointing them all out. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, I think that if, that video could be the new Rick Roll. You've been hoffed. So what do you think that could happen? So what is so what do you think this where does does this obsession come from with actors deciding to be rock and roll stars? Especially, I mean, looking at the Billy Bob Thornton thing, the guy, the guy's not a. Let's put it this way: a spring chicken. You know, I mean, it's no. the same. If he's, if he's singing old blues songs or something, you know, with a, you know, with a, and he could actually play the guitar. Billy Bob, I, yeah, it's because these he, guys, they, they don't play. I mean, they're not playing, you know, some hot licks or anything. They're just up there singing, and you know, most actors and actresses have had singing lessons. They can do that. Why do they want to, you know, do this on the stage like that? I think it has something to do with uh, maybe it's people who can't really do or are not into stage with that live because you know the the live audience of course you know and you hear this all the time ah oh, the love of the audience it, it came over me like a warm blanket oh I love the audience you yeah. think that these guys you think it's possible I mean because I know a lot of actors they like to get the you know practice in front of a live audience by doing a Broadway play for about a year. You know, they don't make the big dough, but they make good money. Yeah, and, and they, they do and that because they, 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 you know, it's the audience feedback. It's, it's also a highly addictive thing, uh, you know, uh, even doing live television shows. When, man, when you stand on a stage and you say something and the audience reacts, it's, that's awesome. Right, and it changes the way you have to do your timing because yep. you, you have to pause if you're in the middle of a joke. Yeah, it, sh- it sharpens your skills, as they say. But I think a right, lot of people so- just can't do, you know, the, the stage. But it's a lot of these guys. It's, um, well, Woody Allen, famously. Um, uh, Keanu Reeves, Bruce Willis. Um, you know, I'm sure we could go on and on, but yeah, there's a slew of them that you mentioned. And and lots of singers want to become actors. Don't you see that all the time? Who's the number one failure at, at trying to make that transition? Is Madonna? You know, she's had the best actors, the best directors. Um, I think, unfortunately, boring scripts that probably didn't help. Um, well, she has to pick the script. You know, people like Madonna when they're starting off, and they, people want them to, to put them in movies. They have a lot of scripts to look at. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. And she, so, if you pick the dog script, I mean, who are you going to blame? Well, that's hard to say. You know, when the movie's great, everyone responds one way. When the movie doesn't do great, it's another way. But all of that's gonna, all of that's going to come to an end. All those movies are going away. It's going to be the last final bastion because at the end of the day, people finance movies to get laid with good-looking actresses. That's always been the same, or at least have dinner with them. Uh, and all that's coming to an end. You know, newspapers are coming to an end. Uh, the radio is going out of business. Television is going down the tubes. It, that's basically just become if you, television in the United States is absolutely unwatchable. 
Um, you know, it's all commercials. The United Kingdom, ITV, a billion pounds in the hole. They're broke. They're, they're, they're all broke. They're all going out of business. It's all going away. It's all changing. It's just some things, you know, taking a little bit longer. But look at look at the newspapers. It's gotten even worse since we last spoke about it. You know, yeah, I know. It's and in the, the numbers. It, it's the, uh, abysmal. Yeah, Boston Globe's like losing a million a week. The San Francisco Chronicle's losing a, bi- a million a week. And I'm thinking a million a week in a newspaper. And then they're complaining about what was the thing that somebody was complaining about? The uh, I was li- listening to a couple of different people that, you know, there's a lot of pundits coming or floating around uh, that are uh, usually newspaper guys who still don't get it. And uh, they're uh, moaning about the latest thing that everyone's moaning about is. Well, you know, without the newspapers, we're not going to, uh, you know, the, the bloggers will have nothing to do. They won't be able to write about anything because everything they do is derivative. They've never done an original thing in their life, which is not true in no, any way. No, it's absolutely, it's completely untrue. And in fact, that's what well, we've talked about this. That's what Twitter is doing right now. There's new, there's new born news agencies who are using this medium bi-directionally. And of course, there's. I mean, just because it's not about you know some financial Ponzi scheme, which yeah, you know, and there will be you know people like Horowitz will will dig into stuff like that, and they'll get pretty far. But you know, so I do other things, you do other things. It's really one big news organization. The, the, the trick is, you know, who's going to kind of aggregate that or, or becomes the believable brand. And I don't even know if that's going to happen anymore. I don't know if we need it. Well, now the, the the guy who heads the Associated Press, and I have to dig his name up. Yeah, um, he used to be the publisher of USA Today, and he really never, actually, as far as I can tell, has never been a news guy in terms of being a writer or a journalist. Yeah, uh, but I could be wrong. But anyway, he's been now he's threatening. This is the big news. He's threatening the bloggers. They're going to oh, go right, after all right, right. everyone who's who's republishing, and now yeah, yeah. And I've been seeing all kinds of new organizations cropping up, like. You know, in order to reproduce your your newspaper legally inside your company, you know, you pay us an annual fee, and then you can make as many copies as you like. I mean, it's all it's all just trying to grab money. I mean, it's 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 completely out of control. It's just the end is nigh, my friends. Well, this Associated Press thing is going to be interesting to follow because they still provide probably ninety percent of all the photos uh, to the newspapers themselves, mm-hmm. and. Uh, some original content, but mostly just shared content. So, the, uh, so at the end of the day, John, I mean, we all we all understand that the distribution game has changed so many industries, so many businesses, and I totally believe in people getting paid one way or the other for what they do or what they have created intellectually, etc. Um, but what is the model? I mean, this program, I think, is one, you know, is one model where we ask for donations. Um, but, I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, how, how, how will it work? That, that's if, if you can solve that one. Wow. Well, it's, it's, everything's up in the air. <laughs> Words wisely spoken. But, you know, the thing is, it's bother, the only thing that should bother people, including myself, and it does, is that everything's up in the air, but everything has been up in the air since about 1998. You know, the web first hit the, you know, hit the street, I think, 92, 93, and then it started to get some momentum. And 
And uh, then by 98, you know, five years into it or so, when, you know, people started saying, well, you know, there's money to be made. Let's do IPOs. And uh, it's, everything's going to be disintermediated, which is still my f- – this. by the way, disintermediation for anybody out there is the only term I know of <clears throat> done during Web 1.0 that was never redefined in the Web 2.0 list of – It's still disintermediation? It, I don't I think they dis- disinterred it, but whatever the case. Uh, people don't talk much about disintermediation, but that is what's, what's been going on ever since 98, which is, in other words, this channels are all different. And there's like, you know, I remember having a conversation with somebody about the, during the Napster era. And they were, you know, they were adamant about, well, you know, it's just no good. You know, it's going to ruin everything. You can't do that. And I said, just, you, you have to adapt to it because there's nothing that's ever going to stop, you know, people doing uh, file, you know, change, you know, moving files around like this. Right. And, and it's going to get worse, as a matter of fact. And every all evidence is, is that the amount of traffic that's involved with file sharing is just dominates the internet right anyway well, so, 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 so maybe it's just over but I, I recall those days very well even 90 yeah 94 95 you know we, we were saying then oh this is going to change everything and we were like you know it's all over it's all gonna it's you know uh, i was experimenting with streaming audio and you know on 28.8k modems you know and it's like oh it's all over it's and, and of course it took 15 years and it'll take another 10 maybe for a lot, of, for all these businesses to be, you know, dead and gone, but maybe it's just all over. That's just it. You know, you sit around. There's just no money to be made. And uh, <laughs> you know, end what of story. Do for our TV shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, now I'm sure there'll still be, you know, there's still going to be the high bandwidth that people are going to pay for. So, i.e., you know, television HD. You know, you, you're, you, but maybe you'll just wind up paying for bandwidth. I don't know. Well, anyway, things are definitely um, a fluid. Let's put it that way. And and the models have have yet the models for actually making money that doing what we do, for example, uh, is is just still up in the air. I mean, it could be uh, everything could be foundation based for all we know. In fact, a lot of the when you watch these guys doing these roundtables about the future of journalism, there's actually came up in the conversation. Well, I think the future of journalism is we're going to have uh, you know foundation. Foundations are going to give you know these exactly. in, investigative reporters money to go investigate stuff. Except the foundation, don't investigate them. Yeah, don't investigate the foundation. Uh, well, same uh, in, in the Netherlands. Same thing. The the Telegraaf concern, which is the the largest newspaper, totally broke. There are hundreds of millions in the hole. It's just dead. You know, give it up, guys. I mean, I I don't I like newspapers, but it's, it just doesn't work anymore. It's just going to end. Anyway, you know the one they did what they've done out here at that. I don't think they've done it at the Chronicle, but they did it at the on the first they did it with the Seattle Post Intelligencer, which was losing you know money. They just folded. They just basically closed. It's gone. And uh, even the online, a, I thought they were keeping a little bit for the online. Oh yeah, portion. no, they're keeping the online. But I'm just saying mm-hmm. that, which is a joke. I mean, anyone's this is ridiculous. These online newspapers, they don't. Yeah, they're, 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 they're overhead. They don't have the structure right. I mean, it's just like the way when microcomputers, which were they originally called in 1975-76, came onto the scene, the personal computer, which became the desktop computer and the workstation, whatever. When those things came on the scene, they were all, wow, you know, this is just a, a toy. It's not going to be good for anything. And it was, but it's, but the whole structure of the business was, was such that if it once they got more and more powerful, which they did naturally because of microprocessor technology, they kind of 
they kind of ate away from the bottom up. And, you know, you, you, the old companies were just top-heavy. I mean, a, a mainframe operation right. is just not a not efficient. And that's what's happening with these uh, newspapers. They still have the old, you know, top-heavy model, too many editors, you know, too many middlemen, too many, you know, reporters that really don't do that much because they're, you know, the union lets them get away with only doing X number of inches, usually around 75 a week, which well, is about one half well, of what a blogger produces. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm going out. I'm going balls to the wall. I'm supporting anyone who's doing anything. And there's a couple of uh, people doing some interesting stuff on Twitter with headlines, which is, of course, what people want. You know, give me 140 characters worth of headlines, and then maybe I'll click on a link and go see what it is. I mean, it's just like RSS. It's no different. It's all the same stuff, just presented in a different way. In fact, I'll bet Dave Weiner's thinking to himself, "Shit, this is what RSS should have been." Because it's really simple, you know. It's like, all right, here's the basics. Here's your parameters. Here's what you can do. It's almost like a, a basic computer format. But uh, breaking news and the AHN uh, alternative headline news, and uh, there's a third one that I haven't added to the stream yet. You know, they, and these are on Twitter, right? Yeah, these are on. I think well, they have websites, but they're they're really publishing their headlines on Twitter and. With amazing consistency and accuracy. And okay, they have dorky stuff, but they are getting their own exclusives. For instance, did you know that, uh, and very relevant to last week's or our last conversation, that the biggest hit this year for Passover is Kosher Coke? Did you know that? Kosher Coke? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Kosher Coke is it, baby. No, I never, I did not know did that. You know it existed. No, um, but you know they. they uh, the, Boy, that Cessna 172, the Canadian who wanted to get, who says he wanted to get shot down by uh, by fighter jets, that happened uh, earlier in the week. Did you follow that at all? No, that wasn't on the news. I didn't see it. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, some some guy stole a Cessna 172 and he flew across the border. Of course, entered airspace without a flight plan or etc. And you know, and they they forced him down. They get shot. Down they forced him down. They went, and he said, "Well, this is the the quote. I mean, I didn't hear him say, it, but the quote is, uh, he wanted uh, he wanted to get shot down. You know, big terror alert. But you know, so these guys are on it. And yeah, it's it's still kind of crude, but the cool thing is, if you see someone twittering about something, then you just twitter them back, and then you know, you then you've got a dialogue. You've got your news. There you go. You can be a one man operation." So you're you're scraping these things and then you're putting them on the stream, right? I'm not scraping. How are you doing it? Oh, I just access the Twitter API, download uh, the most the twenty most recent uh, tweets from one of these news organizations. You know, make some decisions on how many to repeat and keep in there, and then transcode it into a voice and MP3 file and put it up on the stream. And that just you know cycles every fifteen minutes. Now, is that done auto, in an automated fashion? Yes, it's done automatically. Unfortunately, okay. it's done automatically from my laptop still. So you kind of got to keep the laptop on. Oh, okay, but you're going to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, second week of May, after I get back from San Francisco, then uh, then I'm going to have more time to, to dedicate to a lot of these things. I got a list of shit that I want to do. Um, so Goldman uh, Sachs is... Uh, Looking to sue this guy who uh, registered the website GoldmanSucks.com. Goldman sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what were we thinking? We should have registered that. I know, we're getting the publicity I know. for the lawsuit. <laughs> we're getting so slow, aren't we? We're stupid. Oh, it's terrible. Goldman <laughs> sucks. It's obvious. It's so we're nuts. <laughs> 
I love that. And this is um, from – They're suing him. They got to sue him about uh, can't, you, you can't. It's not suable. No, of it's course not, it is. Kind of it's completely suable lawsuit. under the Lanham Act. Absolutely. If people can be confused that they've come to a sucky company called Goldman, then it's con- consumer confusion. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think yeah. there's any confusion whatsoever, but okay. But, but obviously, I mean, this is what I had with the MTV.com lawsuit. Everyone said, oh, well, you know, obviously uh, you'll never win against Viacom because they can just keep you in court forever. And I said, oh, yeah, watch this. You know, and then I went to Liz Smith and started bitching and moaning, and it ended real quick. Mm. So, from the uh, Gitmo Nation uh, Department of Transportation, our Transportation Security Administration, we learned something very interesting this week. Um, a guy was going through the checkpoint, and his uh, his laptop kept going off. You know how they swab it down and are looking for, I guess, certain explosive materials? What would they be looking for? Sulfur? What would they be sniffing? They put that when they, disc. When they, when they swab? Yeah, they swab and they put that disc into their little reader there. What do you think they're swabbing for? Well, I would think they'd be swabbing for various components of a bomb. Uh, in other words, something like uh, ammonium nitrate, perhaps, or uh, some other kind of accelerators, perchlorates. And for, chlor- for some perchlorates. Hey, you got some baby formula? Um, how about glycerin? <laughs> What? Glycerin, would that count? Well, I mean, well, glycerin per se, uh, I mean, could be used. I mean, glycerin is, of course, a component, direct component of nitroglycerin, Mm -hmm. which could be manufactured as a liquid bomb. So... well, so so here's, you could, yeah, but but glycerin is also a common you know thing that people use for you know as a yeah you know like you use it it's just well, like a, let me help you so here so here's here's what, here's what yes here's what we learned the uh, so the TSA agent uh, and you have to they, they swab this down this thing down a couple times they keep getting this readings to say you know do you use a hand lotion when you use this computer. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we all use hand lotion on our computers from time to time, now, don't we? So you got to be careful because that glycerin registered on this swab. Mm. Weird. I think it's funny. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it just uh, makes you wonder how much, you know. I, I, that, how that's much glycerin he was to. using? This guy could have had a, a massive hand lotion issue with his computer. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, some people, you know, <laughs> some people have dry hands and they always, they're just yeah. constantly, uh, you know. <laughs> sure. Using stuff on their hands. John, get real. Come on. <laughs> we all know what the lotion's for. <laughs> oh, you're thinking he's using it because he's he's using the uh, the laptop as a masturbatory hello, uh, hello, helper. Hello, <laughs> and he's like looking he's at so porn. much, yeah, and it's like splattering. And he's got all so over much stuff spot. on his hands every time he gets the, the back and forth button. You know, he's no, all over. He's literally splattering gobs of lotion on his keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully that's all. So. A follow-up on uh, last week's story. Thank you for posting this in the drop, uh, noagendadrop.com, whoever did this. A German soldier who stole a bike in the Dutch city of Nykirk at the end of the Second World War regrets 64 years later and has paid back for his crime. There we have it. The war is officially over. The German brought the bike back. (laughs) Isn't that great? 
It's about time. (laughs) I personally have taken an interest in this, as you know. (laughs) Yes. So the kind of the big news, I think that's kind of underreported. We ran it on the blog, and then I I Twitter. I think somebody mentioned it on a tweet. I I should give them credit, but I don't have it in front of me. But um, there was four uh, cuts of the of various fiber optic cables in the. South yeah, Bay. I, I read about that. There's, it, someone's been deliberately cutting cables. Is that what I was to understand? Yeah, and they're and they're like in the, and they're done in different places. And there looks like you know, and they're done like people entered a manhole and then found the cable, and then I don't know if they used bolt cutters probably, and they just clipped it. And they did it in various areas. Then not like you know, here's one. I mean, it's like they it's concerted effort. And I was of the opinion. And I think I wrote about this in Mar- – I did. I wrote this in Market Watch uh, that uh, it looks like to me to be a test of, um, of, the, of the network, of the grid, that mm. somebody's clipping here and clipping there to see what happens and they clip here to see what happens and they clip here and here to see what happens kind really? of thing. Really? Yeah, and it took out like the South Bay, 50,000 people lost. They lost uh, internet. They lost uh, landline and they lost cell phone service. Because cell phones are, are, are uh, you know, those towers are hooked to something, right? Yeah. And, and so it turned, it took all telecommunications down in the area for hours because it takes forever to re-splice one of these things. Because, you know, it has to be done by hand and it's like a little process. Well, th- yeah, there's and, so much weird shit going on, you know, with that FBI no, wait, me, raid on the yeah, data center. Yeah, but here's the other thing that's interesting. So I made this supposition. I just mentioned. I said, you know, is this possibly some sort of a you know a prelude to a terrorist thing? I mean, I it just and seemed too nine eleven, yeah, uh, and then, cyber nine eleven. So somebody twitters me, says, "Hey, this happened in South Carolina, underreported." And I, now I'm wondering where is it? Whoa. Is it? You see where I'm headed with yeah, this? Yeah, well, absolutely. It's like local news that is not. You know, there's some. What's wrong with this picture? Because hmm. it's all happening at the same time, and it's probably happening here and there, and now Jeez. they don't want anyone talking about it. And, and, and were these so these were major backbones then, that uh, or I guess local local loop back, backbones. I, I think they were just local loop backbones. Huh. I don't think it was like any of the big the big chunks. Wow. You know, but but I mentioned the the following in the column, and yeah. I, I, it's worth reiterating. You know, the, the the ease in which, I mean, people say, well, you know, the refineries are, you know, it could be bombed and all this other stuff. Yeah, if you have a grenade launcher, I suppose you could, you know, blow up a, a tank. But the uh, but with these things, these these fiber networks are are very clearly marked throughout the country. Like up around here. Oh, it's, Anderson, like cut, it's like a cut along dotted line kind of type stuff. Seriously, I mean, I'm like the, the cable that I'm on uh, is uh, clearly marked out on the street and there's a big the biggest cable that we have and i think this is the kind of the backbone cable which runs along highway 101 if you go driving along the back roads up in the middle of nowhere you'll see these you know these big uh, like flags and the reason of course is they mark these things so some bonehead doesn't yeah, come doesn't along backhoe with them yeah of course right back will rip the thing out and so they and they're you know you'd also would probably flip the backhoe but the um but they're marked all over the place, and I, and I guess the ones that were in the that the guy got into the manhole cover, and the way they described it was, well, you know, they had a special tool to open the manhole cover. I don't know what you, what tool it's is called there? It's a crowbar, isn't it? It's just a hook. <laughs> whatever it is, it's like whatever it is, it's, it's obtainable. Like a, a roller skate skate key or something. It's like slip. No, it's not like you can't 
you know, these special tool. So anyway, so they, so, but the manhole, I'm, I, I think I've seen them that some of them are clearly marked, you know, fiber, you know, do not, you know, be careful. And then they, in some places you see like paint in the street, you know, like white paint showing where the cable is. So this is incredibly vulnerable, uh, uh, backbone system in this USA, uh, in terms of somebody wants to start cutting cables. And, uh, I, I, I don't know, just, it's a guy, I think something's up. I, uh, but, but I, no I like your terrorism. I, I mentioned that there was. They said, "Why doesn't somebody at least suggest it that there's some hmm. terrorist activity going on? Perhaps because it's, it's not. On, it's not on the agenda. You know, the the press kit hasn't been sent out yet. You know, I guess that's true. It's clear as possible. Yeah, but it, but anyway, the South still I'm assuming now that there's places all over the country where these the incidents have happened. All right, so just, you got to let us know if uh, this has happened near you. If, if you get, if anybody listening to the show has uh, information about a cable of an outage, yeah. There's also, by the I, way, something new where you can talk about this stuff called noagendaforums.com. We have nothing to do with it. We didn't set it up, but of course, promote it wholeheartedly. Um, so right. that might be a good place to, yeah, might be a good place to go and post uh, some messages. Yeah, it would be good. Uh, but anyway, so I'm a little bit uh, concerned, yeah, concerned about that. About that. Family, and it should be because if I like up here. Although there's, you know, we have a unlikely anything's going on, but because it's up here, uh, you know, if I lose this cable, I mean, we lose our cell, cell phones bad enough up here, and then you lose your landline, your, uh, I can't do the broadcast. Oh no! Oh, is- oh no! Wait, now it's time to panic. <laughs> wow! And you also have to wonder about the smart grid. Well, that's, uh, this, of course, the obvious conclusion is that's a part of it is, you know, this is the test and then we're going to get our 9-11 uh, cyber terror event, which, by the way, is I think is pretty much documented that that's going to happen. I mean, this is it's all in the planning. So whether it's configure or whether it's multiple cuts simultaneously, then, you know, that'll be the reason to shift more money towards the smart grid and uh, buy your router now. We tested it out with those damn stupid digital TV boxes. Hey, here's another credit card. Go get your special router, which will also protect your children. Uh, John Stewart really... Uh, really did a, a a disappointing piece the other day. I don't know if you saw this, where he showed you know his typical uh, run of clips of uh, Fox News and you know mainly of Fox News uh, talking about this terror fascist state that we're entering, which of course is true, you because know, <laughs> it's you know look look at the, the definition of fascism is is the government running uh, corporations or vice versa. Would you yeah, say corporatism? Corporatism, yeah, yeah. I mean, just look at what happened to General Motors and just kick the guy out, you know. So that is the definition right there. And Stewart goes in this long thing about, no, you guys should shut up. You know, if uh, if you guys lose, then you know you have to figure, you have to expect it to be different and not going the way you want it to go. I'm like, oh man, this is so wrong. Doesn't he see it? You know, what are we now? The, the deficit is projected $13 trillion. <laughs> Where is it coming from? I'm looking at these beautiful children out by the pool. They're going to pay for that? They're fucking lazy. They're not going to pay jack shit. They might as well enjoy the pool now, kitties. <laughs> There's a lot, which is another thing we have. Like we have our deli up here. We have the hardest time getting anyone that actually wants to work. <laughs> Your kid, the kids don't want to work, right? They just want to chill out, chillax. I'm telling you, and it's and I'm not the only one that's that's observed this, and it's like why you know they and they don't they're not interested in learning anything. They're, the idea of a pre- apprenticeship is long dead. Mm. Uh, 
nobody has a you know they have no skills they don't learn anything in school it's you know it's basically a babysitting service <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean luckily my my daughter you know who we homeschooled you know finally decided she had to go to a high school to get her you know which of course is illegal in california it, it's pretty much it's close to it yeah. i mean it's hard to homeschool in california but we're licensed in washington state which you actually get take a lot of special permit and then they test the kids and washington state is great for homeschooling and anyways we homeschool and now she goes to a regular high school and she's just getting straight a's of course it's like fall, falling off a log <laughs> in fact we're my, both my wife and, and myself are kind of like amazed because she's like put so much effort into all his homework assignment she's up till one in the morning working on a powerpoint presentation for something <sighs> you know and then she forces herself to get up when in the morning when she you know, didn't get enough sleep and because um, she's got to get to school and of course she's a grouch and uh <laughs> of course say no more <laughs> i mean jeez and uh but at least she's a straight a grouch so you know what can i say oh my goodness it's amazing but that, yeah. but that should but you know the rest of the kids well, so, lazy- so it's clear and we have a plan for that as well we're going to throw these kids into camp for three months and we'll kick their asses into shape we'll condition them we'll get them ready yeah can you imagine what that's going to be like Kids will like wreck the place. And Michelle Bachman, uh, God bless the woman. She's she's on almost every, uh, I'm sure, extremely conservative talk radio show talking about these camps and how this you know this enslavement can't continue because of course the bill the, the bills have been introduced and uh, already passed uh, the house. <laughs> you know to, to actually have camps to send your children to mandatory camps. And she's getting, and I, and I gotta call it right now, th- there's massive, massive sexual discrimination going on against her. You know, if this were a guy, they would respond differently. I mean, this, the people are just calling her the kooky milf, you know, the, the kooky cougar, which I think is kind of a cool name, by the way. The um, kooky cougar. Kooky cougar. You know, it's, it's so wrong. And she's actually, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's, a, she's a, a senator. Thing or congresswoman? No, she's just congresswoman. Congresswoman. You know this. You know a little bit of respect, and she's saying some important stuff. But it's just, just call her kooky. Go back to the pool. Throw on some Bob Marley tapes. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah. Nothing to insert. Nothing to see here. Jingle here. So anyway, so it is an issue uh, that you know, and 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 of course, I always hearken back on my own childhood when I had a paper route, which of course they killed that idea another uh, another vocation that has gone away long gone and uh actually i had two paper routes as a matter of fact yeah i had my paper route man that was i had a paper route and and one i had the shopper route which is the easy money one now did you grow into your paper route where you know you knew you knew that you were because in my neighborhood (laughs) it was like an ascension type thing you know i knew when i was gonna when i when when i would turn 15 then i would be taking that guy's paper route you know that it was my domain you know it, it because I'm so damned old, uh, I don't remember how I got the paper route. Yeah. All right. But I, th- I think that 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 mechanism did exist because you know somebody had to have the paper route before me. Yeah. And uh, what was cool about my paper route, which you know is a, a kind of a mercantile way of looking at it, is that I had what was called a rural route. And a rural route is the one where you get to you have to you know pedal out to the farmers. In the middle right. of nowhere, so you'd be pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. You finally get to this, you know, one guy, and he gets a paper, and then you have to pedal out <laughs> another the, yeah, mile. Well, of course, that's your starter route. You, you get the shit route first. 
Well, what's cool about my rural, right? But by the way, you got a lot more money, like twice as much. Yeah. And what was cool about my rural route is that in the in the section that was deemed rural, they put in a housing development. Ah, excellent! <laughs> and I got the so, yeah, you got, got the, the you got the mother load. Thing. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Basically, perfect. hit the hit the gold mine. So <sighs> I was had, had a, so I got paid rural, and I was just like the regular paper route. In fact, except for the two farmers, I still had to go deliver to that were left. But uh, but then you know kids don't do that, and and you had to go door to door. And, and two, there's two things you had to do, and this is another thing people never learn these skills because you know, nobody. The, the problem is nobody's been introduced to anything at, at an early age anymore. So they, by the time they're graduating from high school or even in college, they're kind of baffled by it all. They zero work experience. We had to to solicit everybody to take the paper door to door. And it was like door to door sales, which yeah. is also something kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, all and of so that still exists. The uh, um Internship, well, not inter- uh, work experience, they call it at the UK school. Um, people do sell things door to door. You have special licenses and they come by all the, you know, the typical brushes, you know, miracle whipped cream, whatever. Uh, that is still here in the UK. Now, the only time you see it here anymore is with the kind of ghetto kids who have been somehow suckered into selling magazine subscriptions door to door. So anyway, I haven't seen anything since that, except that and people with with uh, the other door-to-door thing we have here in, in, to an extreme are people with petitions, you know, or people begging for money for one thing or another, you know, and during especially during election cycles. But anyway, so we had to go door-to-door-to-door, to door to door, you know, begging people to take the newspaper. And so, of course, you'd get so many, you know, you'd, you'd have a big area and then there'd be like, say, 50 houses and you got two. <laughs> people to subscribe. Right. So they'd send out an, the expert, the guy. I forget what he was called, an expert. They had a name for him. And he was always like, oh, God, this guy. He was a professional salesman mm-hmm. who would come and he would say, yeah, kid, you don't know what you're doing. And then they'd take they, – you'd have to go through the same process with him oh, yeah. door he'd, to door. He'd show you the ropes. Show you the ropes. This guy is like he came close to pulling a gun out and making people buy the paper. I mean, it was like one after another. It was like you know where I went. No sale, no sale, no sale, no sale. And he's just bang, 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 bang. Just everybody subscribes when he's done. And you go, wow, this guy can sell. (laughs) And and then you go, you still try it. You still sucked. it's, it's 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 a fractal of Wall Street in the boiler rooms. Exactly. And so anyway, so this guy would get your route numbers way up. And so, so uh, of course, he still wouldn't correct the rural thing. And then the other thing you had to do as a paper boy is you had to go. Uh, well, every every year at Christmas time, you got to go around with your envelopes. Hey, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And you stand there would, smiling. They, yeah, there was something like that. But the <laughs> thing is, every month you had to go around to every Oh, to collect. Yeah, to collect. collect. Oh, that sucked because the people weren't home and all kinds right, of crap. And, and you had this little uh, receipt book that was essentially uh, Man, a bunch of little squares. We had some automation when I was doing my paper route. Did you have like a little tablet of clay that you chiseled in a mark next next to the map? What you the hell? Been, <laughs> no, you had this little bitty receipt book with these little bitty receipts that were just the size of a postage stamp. And you'd tear one off for each person. Yeah, paid. And, and, you, and you had this like leather thing that was uh, – uh, it was that you put the money in. And I was like the one thing I was never very good at was organizing the money. And I still to this day remember some guy as I'm fumbling around st- trying to make change for this guy. The guy says to me, 
you know, you handle your money like a drunken sailor. <laughs> and that's always stuck with me because I realize that I do. And to this day, <laughs> to this still day you still do. How <laughs> to deal with this. So, uh, hey, I just wanted to just uh, mention something from Gitmo Nation East because I love the story. And uh, I'm I'm tr- desperately trying to track down any shred of evidence. But, man, th- this one's just killing me. Um, and I'd always wondered where the name came from, and finally I, I have some clues. Apparently, so we had, you know, we had the big G20 protest, and everyone was in London, and that was the big show, and all the anchors were there on the street and coming to you live from the G20. And then everyone just went over to Strasbourg. You know, after they went to Brussels for a day or two, then they went to Strasbourg, which I guess is where all the really shady shit takes place, because apparently on the evening of uh, the 3rd of April, 500 of the world's elite attended the Black Mass at the Cathedral of Our Lady Strasbourg. The Black Mass, of course, also known as Black Sabbath. And I'd always wondered where that name came from. And uh, so this uh, and Pope Benedict, uh, what is it? uh, The 16th? I don't know. Something. Whatever. He he did the Mass and... uh, you know, it's just really shrouded in secrecy, and this cathedral has a whole history behind it. But it was uh, uh, President Obama and the First Lady, uh, Gordon Brown, Sarkozy. Of course, um, uh, to- uh, Tony Blair uh, converted uh, to uh, c- uh, Catholicism just recently, as did Newt Gingrich, who was there. So, it did, you know, and, and the story is, is that they were all... Uh, you know, come together because you know finally uh, they, you know they worship the the Mother Earth God whatever because the Earth is uh, about to about to be stuff? reset. Uh, Russian news sources. Russian. <laughs> my my friends within Russia. Sabbath. Oh my the Black Sabbath. I have not now heard I get this. It. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is brand new. <laughs> I just read this today. <laughs> black Sabbath. The black and Sabbath. They're all there. Yeah, they're all now there. We'll the black. Carve up the- Virgin. Yes, exactly. Well, that's called on the honorism or something like that. That used to be where they'd perform sexual rituals uh, and then I think eventually uh, kill the the honoree. <laughs> I think this is where roasted came from, from a roast. <laughs> Did those guys actually throw you on the spit? Uh, uh, so the end is nigh. That's the, uh, that's the basic uh, conclusion of uh, when the Black Sabbath takes place. Uh, the end of times, then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. Because, of course, the elite are all going underground in uh, where they go in uh, Paraguay. And they're building bunkers. Bunkers, uh, bunker buildings, big business these days. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you, you just Google it, man. You'll see this. People are building bunkers all over the place. What are you going to do in the bunker that you can't do outside? Well, you know, when, <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe uh, hide from the bird flu. I think we should, like, you know, create some pandemonium, get these guys in the bunker, and just lock them in there. It's like maybe the bunker, but maybe these great leaders don't realize that there's a there's another le- layer that they're missing out on, and once they're in the bunkers, they get locked in. It turns out to be a giant prison. Well, of course. I mean, the, there's a whole level that is definitely going to get screwed. The entire, all these TSA guys, all the police forces, everyone with a uniform who thinks that they're going to be a part of, you know, the 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 new world order control. You know, no way. You're just puppets. You're going to get fucking annihilated. They're going to fry you with their uh, EMP weapons. But then the question is, who is they? Who is they? 
Well, they as the same guys who have the audacity to now directly target webcam strippers for tax purposes. Now, they, what was this again? Yes, this is a BBC News report. Okay, that, tell me uh, about it. Well, the uh, webcam stripping is so lucrative that the uh, Swedish uh, tax authorities are now going after the estimated three million pounds annually lost in tax revenue. What from? Wait, you're talking about girls going on the webcam and yeah, and stripping, the- stripping for money, yeah. So now they have to pay tax on it. From money. Yeah, they do it. You've never seen that. That's what we talked oh, about. That's well, what I, webcams I, are for. I got, actually got one of them on right now. You got to get through the show somehow. I understand. So uh, my son is telling me about one of the weird underground things that's going on currently in England uh, regarding street cams. Oh, it's he says that there's the there, people are putting on entire. Uh, plays and a complete, you know, whole like whole TV shows in on specifically aimed at the street camps, picking them up doing something on and then then requesting from the oh, government. Oh yeah, the freedom of information. Yeah, this started with a music video. Uh, some guys um, basically, you know, perform their song in all these different locations, including a bus, and then they indeed they sent a freedom for information request to. Uh, to the government for all the, you know, they had the time codes and everything, and they got it all, and they put the music video together. I didn't know that yeah. they were doing this with plays now. That's awesome. Yeah, no, they're, they're apparently doing it with plays and short stories, you know, and they're doing them in front, in front of these cameras, and I guess they have microphones so you can hear the guys. And so then they request, do, and they have it all time-coded, so then they ask Freedom of Information, they, they make the awesome. government give them the copy, and then they edit it. <laughs> That's awesome. But it's like, what is the, the, the government's going to end up, it's going to cost a fortune you know, I mean, it just seems to me that the whole thing is idiotic. Well, not the, that the, the the kids thing is funny, but I'm saying the government yeah. is taken. Well, like, there, there was a, need- yeah, there was a report that came out uh, just the other week in the UK. The guy responsible for all the procurement of the cameras, and I think it's what is it? There's 40 cameras for every person in the United Kingdom, and you're you're recorded four hours a day wherever you walk in the in the entire you know, British Isles. And uh, it turns out that it's own, that these, this camera network is only responsible for like less than one percent of all crimes solved. And so the obvious reason for this report is to say, well, we're on the right track. We just need some more investment, and then uh, we'll we'll be up to two percent. <laughs> yeah, more cameras. <laughs> Even here in Portugal, I was reading in a in a local uh, a local rag. They're doing all these tests now, rolling out to government. Uh, um, uh, CCTV programs. It's everywhere. You know, Orwell was only off by 25 years. Didn't do too bad, did he? No, it's pretty close. But the funny thing is about all these kids, the guys who sell these cameras must be in seventh heaven. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. That's big business. Another, course, another there's, business. There's all the add-in, you know, third-party stuff like face recognition software, which doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, they they use uh, in the UK. Some of it does work. They use that uh, the same technology they use for tracking um, uh, sport players on a field. Some yeah. of that works. They use some of that. Well, you know, it doesn't work as well as it does on CSI. <laughs> no, you know, this, this shows. You know, there's two things I've always been amused by. Some of the the book. The things you see on TV, it must be. I think a lot of it is just to completely befuddle uh, actual criminals who watch these shows. Because let's face it, they watch these shows. 
And the the one, of course, which myself, you know, I've talked about with my kids and I, we all think it's hilarious when it happens, which is keep them on the phone. Keep them on the phone for 30 seconds so we can trace the call. You know, and they did. Oh, yeah, we yeah, hung 30, up just 30 seconds. Like, yeah, they still do that. I know. They still it's do horrible. that as a, as a gimmick. In a, I would, would not use that as a gimmick in a screenplay because it's, for one thing, it's, it's bogus. Yeah. Because it, when you get, as soon as you receive the call, the only information is there instantly because it's all in the header nowadays. And of the phone call, I mean, the phone call's got all the information on it, right? Bang, immediately. So you wouldn't have to keep anyone in the line for more than two, you know, at all. Just once they connect, you've got the information you want. So you can call her ID, dude. I mean, how hard is it? <laughs> Tap into exactly. that shit. So it's like, keep him on the line for two hours. Oh, we hung up. Oh, 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 oh damn. Yes, have a trace. Get it, you get it, they look over, get it. No. And then they shake their heads. No, no, we didn't get it. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, it's like, hey, buddy, this is like you're stalling here on the story. Let's get back to the you know, plot line. Drat the luck. And the other one, of course, which is the real one that's just a total eye roller. Is the DNA. The DNA is already ready in seconds. The DNA, well, that's right. The DNA is done same day somehow. (laughs) Same day turnaround service. Yeah, here's the DNA. It's like within hours, here they come. No, I always love the analysis. They they pop it on the screen. It's like, oh, it matches. Yes. There you go. (laughs) The other one, the one I was thinking of, I forgot about the DNA, is is the photo enhancement. Oh, yeah. Zoom in. Okay, can you clean that? Can you clean that up a bit? Yeah. See, who's that behind the wheel? You know, they go, "Oh, that's what's his name." You but know, John, let's so get the license plate. You're so right, but you're you're so wrong. The, this is meant to condition you. This is meant to get you ready to prepare you to become. For that is now already a part of our reality. People believe it happens that way. So it's just conditioning. So you don't even have to. At that point, who needs the cameras with the fake face recognition? People are walking around saying, "Hey, man, I better not do that because if I leave my DNA, you know, these guys will have it and one day turn around service. You know, I better not be walking there because they can recognize my face and track me forever. You know, that's beautiful." Yeah, well, I don't think it's a plot, but whatever the case is, you're probably right on a base level. But that's why we're here. Yes. To. I'm glad you brought that up. People. Which is why now we have our two minute uh, two minutes to uh, sell people on the idea that they should be donating to this show. Uh, Dvorak.org slash NA or No Agenda Library. We uh, need all the help we can get. I have a bunch of new people, by the way, who uh, contributed a, a goodly amount of money, including one, and I'm going to give a teaser here. One guy, and I w- we'll talk about this on Thursday when I have access to the PayPal account. Uh, one guy gave us a... Uh, one dollar and sixty-eight cents, followed by a donation of eighty-eight dollars and eighty-eight cents. Try to figure out why. And uh, there's also been a number of other odd screwball donations. Well, help, help me with the help me with that one. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight, one sixty-eight. Is that what you said? Yeah. What do I have to add them up or something? The um, no, the way I saw it was. Here's what I interpreted. I will do this one. I interpreted that he had, um, he, he okay, he's Chinese, and his last name is Che, C-H-E. And um, he, uh, I figured he had 8888, eight, 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 because that's the Chinese lucky Chinese number. Chinese lucky number, yeah. And then I thought 168 was a, the 16 was half, or was double a Chinese lucky number. So he had 8888 eight, eight, eight plus two more 8s and another 8. 
And I thought it was just a number. Of, and if you added them all up, it, you know, it was like the square root of eight. If you add it all up, it equals nine eleven. And some, <laughs> some crackpot theory. And he says, so I actually sent him a note saying, what is this? And he says, he said that we never, I, and I didn't know this at all, that 168 is actually another Chinese lucky number besides eight, eight, or besides eight. And, and he explained it in vaguely like this. The, the way you pronounce eight in Chinese is, is, means money. And uh, in 168, the way you pronounce it, those, that number means I want to get money. Oh, really? And, and so 168 is uh, also a Chinese lucky number that people, you know, you know th- for example, the license plate in Hong Kong for eight or, or a bunch of eights generally trades for about a million dollars. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I mean, these are the Chinese are Chinese are real. They're wacky. They're wacky, man. They're just wacky. <laughs> so I, I figured that we should be soliciting somebody because no one's done this. To give, to, once I think, again, a once again we, it comes down to the Chinese. If it's not for our economy, then it's for this show, yeah. for the the Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable, we have to go to the Chinese. Uh, $168 would be appreciated. So they should so anyways, give us $8,888,888.88, and that will be enough for us to stop the show. Uh, well, I guess we could make a, a compromise, yeah. yeah. That'd be a good number. Yeah. And somebody else did something, which I'll mention on Thursday or re- reiterate. He says, I want it clear that I'm only donating uh, to the show. And it was like, I think, 50 or $100, he said, to get you off the air. <laughs> You're and then a- he mentioned that it was for the purposes of, in case you know our list is ever investigated, he wants it on record that he wants us off the air. So when the lists come, you know, when people oh, make their... Oh, right, 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 right. So like, so we, like the Madoff list when, we'll be, when it's floating <laughs> around the Internet. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't get incriminated. I got it. So I'm going to create another category on the... On the uh, donation page, we should make it a race. Whoever gets the ten million first determines whether we stay on or leave. <laughs> but I'm going to have a different category so people can can donate to get us off the air, yes, and it would be official. It would yeah. be a different yeah, yeah. going to a different. I think bin. that's a great idea. We could also yeah. make the whole thing about getting. And you know, John, think about this. Why don't we just reverse the whole idea? Our goal is ten million, right? Yeah. And we're going to work very, 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 very hard to get to that goal. And when we when we reach that goal, then we stop. Then it's over. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. Uh, that could so that, be oh, the model of the future. Get these guys <laughs> off the air. Give I'm them telling more you, money. it's the model of the future. It's perfect. <laughs> get rid of them. I got I got a brew on this one. I'm liking it. Uh, I think there's something there. Yeah. Well, that in the knighthood. So anyway. Yeah. Of course. I think and, that's any, any more uh, mentions in our last 15 seconds. Um, no, I just think the, what it should be mentioned is no agenda, no agenda library.com and Dvorak.org slash NA. Please help us out so we can go to three shows a week. And then, and then of yeah, course, eventually get kicked off the get air. Get off the air. Yeah. So it's, uh, th- that's the, uh, the next step is three shows a week. Then, of course, we want to go to four. And uh, we can even, now we can, now that we have a goal, we can set the steps. I think this is actually much better. It's a, it's a predetermined, you know, we can't become so big that, uh, that we start to suck. Because we, our destiny is predetermined. We're going to die. Our show will end at that mark. It's, I think it's, this is brilliant. So I, 
I'm sorry. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think like it. it's like a government agency. You know, they always set themselves up. Well, we're going to be only doing this for the right. next decade. Yeah, exactly. And then they next thing you know, they're in business forever, and there's just some dull thing that keeps continuing. Yeah, we should be off the air. Yeah, we, we should will. get off the air. We're, we can't sustain this. No, we're too we're too interesting. <laughs> Case in point, uh, Moody's, which of course uh, is one of the uh, well-known rating agencies of, uh, I guess, bonds in particular, or all types of debt. Yeah. Has, has essentially downgraded the entire country. Uh, well, not that they're honest about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, they've uh, they've placed a negative outlook on all municipal bonds, every single one, not singling any of them out, just all of them. Screw it. Now, isn't isn't bonds pretty much what what the country floats on? Isn't isn't that like our main tool? Well, the, yeah, pretty much. You know, Andrew Horowitz has talked about in one of our shows, uh, one of the uh, uh, unplugged shows, that uh, he sees no problem shorting, especially New York bonds, uh, as a short. Right, shorting his own country. It's the patriotic way to go. Shorting your own country. (laughs) This is like when Bill Gates made the big announcement. This was a few years ago, and I have to give him credit because I was like – I thought it was irksome when he did it. But this is before the – when the dollar, I think, was around uh, 90 cents – in terms of you know to the euro, yeah, yeah, it was in good shape. Yeah, he says he's going all he's getting out of the dollar. Yeah, you know, gave, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Bill. Thanks, World's Bill. richest man, America made him what he is, and he's bailing on the dollar. He makes a big, and I thought it was deplorable. If he was going to do it, he shouldn't have said anything. Yeah, but it was. I thought it was just a bad move. Well, you, you know why? But he did. He, he's cleaned you know, up. You know who his idol is? His idol is George Soros, who did exactly that with the British pound. That's what these guys do, man. Well, yeah, his real idol is, is Buffett, but is, I, I, thought, I thought Soros. Uh, I thought Soros. I don't know that how tight is with Soros. Is Soros tight with anybody? I'd like to meet Soros. Soros. Uh, and, he seems uh, like a guy that it would take several meetings before you get through any of that outer layer to find anything out. I mean, that guy's yeah, a, but a I think it'd be box. worth the trouble because I bet you he's got some funny thing. I mean, I mean, he's got to have some observations that are just riotous. Well, yeah, I mean. Well, I believe he's one of he's one of them. Okay, that's where I put him. Yeah, one of them. He is he's definitely lock, one lock of them. the gates on those guys that go under into the bunkers. That would be the kind of well, you know, Soros has a very interesting past. I think if I understand his, he wrote a book and I read an excerpt. He's so I don't know a number it, of books. Well, yes, but there was a book about his childhood. I believe because doesn't he come from somewhere in Austria? Or Hungary, or Hungary, Hungary, right? And we can look it up. And uh, I believe that he actually put um, Jews on trains to be shipped off to uh, to concentration camps. Mm. The guy's got a really interesting past. I'm not saying that he was a he was a Nazi or that you know he was doing any anything other than just following orders. But uh, yeah, he comes from an interesting place. And uh, he's got a lot of these, like OSI, the Open Society Institute, and uh, you know. Well, he was in Budapest, Hungary. And he was born in 1930. So in 1940, when they were shipped, he was only 10. He yeah. could have been 12 years yeah, old. No, no, he, no. That's that's what that's the context around that age. With his dad, he was doing that. And I, I should I should look into it. But you know, he. Um, yeah, we should. What else? Uh, some other, some other. He's, he's, he's just a, he frightens me. I think is yeah. That OSI has been linked to weapons. Uh, George Soros, Soros is the son of. Of course, this is. <coughs> excuse me, Wikipedia. Esperantist writer. Hmm. Stivadar Soros. 
Tivadar, also as known as Teodoro, was a Hungarian Jew and was a prisoner of war during and after World War One, and eventually escaped from Russia to rejoin his family in Budapest or Budapest. I might uh, have my story completely wrong. I don't know. I could, I could be way but off. But the thing the that's interesting is about it says George was taught to speak Esperanto from birth hmm. and is thus one of the few rare native Esperanto speakers. By the way, Esperanto, when I was a kid, yeah. this, it was a you know there was a crazy movement to create this. Un- this is like the you know cr- trying the Chinese or somebody trying to create a universal currency. This well, is why I, this I, I remember this. I remember way. this in school. I remember there was a rumor going around that we would all have to learn Esperanto. I'm like, what? And then you know, for whatever, because it was kind of they, you had the the problem was the French wanted to be the the they had kind of like the political monopoly on language for a long, long time. English, of course, the, I believe the second most spoken language on the planet, and they came up with this wacky Esperanto, which is kind of you, know, you got to pull some Spanish in there. It was like Spanglish. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there are probably more native Klingon speakers <laughs> than there are Esperanto speakers. Uh. Klingon, which is a genuine language, it's is actually a real studied. Language. I know, I know, it was I know. She created. I'm, in fact, there was a guy that did a paper recently. Some some paper. He's like a major theorist of physics, and he he demanded that they produce a, a Klingon version. That so people could look at, thinking what a bunch of crackpots. Anyway, this to me because Esperanto got nowhere in terms of this, uh, you know, universal language. You can't even get, and this is why I think the universal currency thing is a dead end. Uh, you can't get people to agree on anything. Ever since I was a kid, mm-hmm. and we all know that's a long time. Oh, I found it. You found it. <laughs> you. <laughs> Hey, all right. You've saved the <laughs> time, show. Time to end the show. <laughs> but ever since I was a kid, there's this, we're going to go to the metric system. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, in yeah, the USA, yeah. old metric system. <laughs> and I've had people like just a few years ago say, oh, yeah, no, no, no. You, you, these, uh, the eight and a half by 11, forget it. A4. Everyone's going to A4. By the way, which I believe A4 is an unpleasant shape for a piece of paper. Yes, it's, like it's it. not a, f- f- uh, what do you call it? It's not a, a golden golden. No, no it's not golden nothing. It's too yeah. long. It looks like <laughs> that's, 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 that ain't golden nothing. Hi, everybody. Welcome nothing. to John C. Dvorak's golden nothing. <laughs> it's got, you're right. The dimensions are all screwy, and yeah. it's like long and stupid. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, the perils of A4, yes. Now, we the, the size we love to hate. But what everyone was going to, oh, worry for it's going to be a university standard because, the, you know, these various organizations are going to standardize it. And my favorite one, I think this was in the late 90s. I remember somebody, I'm, I'm oh, by the way, anyone who's ever met me knows that everyone's, well, I get this befuddled look on my face where I'm like, what are you talking about? Somebody was claiming to me, oh, yes, no, the international organizations are going to pick A for the, uh, and metric has to be, is going to be the takeover. And in fact, if you're not, producing all your documents in a4 you will be banned from trading on the international markets yeah uh, well I, like, I will tell you things have changed john that uh, in the united kingdom there have been some serious conflagurations where shop owners just refused to step away from imperial measurements and use the metric system and they've been threatened with you know lawsuits shutdowns i mean it's crazy so what's wrong with the foot I mean, I think, I think the, the concession. I think, I think the concession that the United States made, and I think it's okay, even though I don't like it personally because I'm an old guy, is the uh, the fact that we went in in sports. 
in in track and field to the to the metric hundred meter dash yeah. instead of the hundred yard dash. Yeah, yeah. And you know, luckily they haven't. I'm surprised they haven't. Somebody's hadn't had a movement to change the length of a football field from a hundred yards to a hundred meters. Uh, yeah, but I, I do like the metric system that does have its advantages because, you know, 18 centimeters just sounds so much better, you know. Yeah, oh, no, that sounds fantastic. I mean, <laughs> 18 centimeters. So anyway, the uh, <laughs> it's 18 centimeters long. Exactly. So that's an inch. What are you going to quibble about an inch? So... Uh, there's a bunch of jokes in there. So the point is, is that that's why I have no, I, I have no confidence that a universal currency, when you can't get the United States to, to adopt A4 or the metric system in particular. Okay, well, you know, and you bring this up at the end of the show, so I, I we can't get into a huge debate. <clears throat> but the international currency will be a spreadsheet currency only, and it's called the SDR right now. It's the special drawing rights, and it will become the gold standard for our crappy dollar and uh, and toilet white pound, you know, and then this euro thingy that's floating around. It'll all be, that's the, 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 the currency. The actual coin in your pocket doesn't matter because that's all it is. It's just a belief system no matter what what you put behind it here we go that's why just i got saying, to my gold i got to my gold i'm good just saying that this these universal movements well everyone's going to do this everyone's going to do that it's just that they don't fly because people just like these british shopkeepers no they they used to not fly now they're flying because the clamp down is here they've got all these concessions the police state is here so now they can do it that's what the lisbon treaty is all about the laws are in place you don't want to comply you stupid slave we'll show you that's what's happening well People should be up in arms about this. Exactly. I don't have our regular uh, theme music with me for some reason. So I've brought oh, the harp. Can we hum us? Do we have well, to hum? Well, I brought, uh, the, that, 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 I brought that, that. the harpsichord. Doesn't quite do it, does it? <laughs> it sounds like we're ending some foppish <laughs> show about classical music. And this was Vivaldi in 14 Movements. I want to thank my co-host, John Leviola Dvorak. My name is Adam Curry. So uh, I guess this is the end. I'm John C. Dvorak here in Gitmo Nation, uh, Pacific Northwest. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Or no, Thursday. Thursday. Thursday.